Today's episode is sponsored by Expectful, a guided meditation and mindfulness app for your fertility, pregnancy, and motherhood journey. It's easy and fun to use as well as affordable. And did you know that science shows meditation can reduce anxiety and improve your relationships? Head to expectful.com slash motherbirth for an exclusive one month free trial just for motherbirth listeners. What a shame that there are so many systems that do not support women and families the way they need to be supported. And, uh, you know, I'm not necessarily going to point blame, like it's all their fault. But what happens is all of that gets distilled down into the mom and she's home holding the weight of all of this, thinking it's just her. Welcome to Motherbirth. We help women awaken the confidence that is already within. This is a space for vivid, inspiring birth stories, meaningful advice from guest experts, and honest exploration of what it means to become a mother. Hey everyone, welcome to Mother Birth Today. We're very excited to share this conversation with you. We're going to be interviewing a special guest today named Katayun Kayani. She is also known as Dr. Kat, and she's a psychologist that specializes in maternal mental health and perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. So it'll be really interesting to pick her brain a little bit today on these really important topics. So Kat, would you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Great. Hi, thanks so much for having me here. I'm excited to chat with you both. Um, yeah, I am a psychologist, a mother of two, um, wife, and I have a private practice in Claremont, California, uh, where I specialize in perinatal mental health and helping moms and families through this really difficult transition. And I started specializing in this work after I went through postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, and postpartum AC- OCD with my mm. daughter my first child, and then a kind of a light version of it, uh, you know, with my son. Uh, But I started specializing, um, yeah, some time ago. My daughter's eight now. And uh, I kind of, I kind of include my experience with her as part of my specialization because that was Mm -hmm. a rough, a rough way to learn about it. Mm -hmm. Were you already practicing as a psychologist before your daughter was born? I was, yeah. I'd, um, I've always known I wanted to be a therapist and it's been my path since I was about you know, 12, it was really when I set my mind on it. And, um, so that was really my focus, undergrad, grad school, all of that. And, um, I, uh, finished grad school, was working in the field and I had been for some time, uh, before I had my daughter. So, um, the sad thing to say is that I didn't ever really learn about postpartum depression or anxiety or OCD for that matter in any program, in any residency, in any, internship, nowhere. Mm -hmm. It was sort of mentioned somewhere here and there, but not fully discussed, um, in any, any depth. So I, I did not know what I was dealing with. I knew it could happen. I knew it was a possibility, but I didn't even know what to look for. Mm -hmm. Pardon me. And, um, since I'd, I'd had a history of depression and anxiety, um, so I, I thought, okay, well maybe that will happen, but, you know, what I can say about the transition into motherhood is that if it's your first time, everything is new and, uh, there's no, there's no real way to, to differentiate between what's normal and what's not, unless mm-hmm. you have someone help you figure that out. And, uh, so I 
did what a lot of people do and thought that, well, maybe this is how it's supposed to feel. Um, And then I also did what a lot of people do, which is feel ashamed and embarrassed about how I felt. So I didn't tell anybody for a long Mm. time. Um, So unfortunately, to answer your your question, I went on a bird walk there. But to answer your question, I I was practicing. I was a therapist at the time. And um, I still didn't figure it out. It's so interesting because I, I feel like what you said is so true. It's, it's so embarrassing and, and so shameful. And we were recently chatting with another guest and Laura brought up this, you know, this idea that what we value so much in our society today is like independence and resilience and, you know, this ability to be really autonomous. And so we, we tend to generate this impression that, you know, no, 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 we're fine. We've got this, which just, of course, exacerbates whatever it is that we're dealing with. And so I wonder for you as someone who, you know, even though you weren't necessarily familiar with postpartum depression in terms of your training, but you obviously had, you know, training in mental health and, you know, these different tools and, and resources to help you, you know, recognize if someone is, is struggling, did you feel like you, were able to use those tools in your own journey to kind of acknowledge what was happening and eventually get to a point where you reached out? Um, in a roundabout way, yes, I did. Um, I think part of, you know, how you were describing we're supposed to be resilient and all this, um, there was an additional layer for me as a therapist was that I was supposed to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I think that people have that in general anyways, I'm supposed to figure this out. Um, but there, yeah, for me anyways, there's, well, I'm, I'm a therapist. I should I should be able to, you know, help myself. That was a, you know, a little bit later on in the, in the path, um, in the initial, um, phases of it. So I I should back up for just a second. It took me about a year to figure out what was going on, um, Mm -hmm. or to at least fully acknowledge what was happening. There were times where, you know, I went back to work when I was about three, um, a month earlier than I planned on. Um, at about three months when my daughter was three months. Um, so that was a stressor. Um, I had a very stressful job or stressful for me anyways. Um, and, uh, that was an additional, um, factor. And so I think there were a lot of things that I tried to blame it on. Um, absolutely the job made things more difficult for me, but I kept wanting it to just be about the job, um, Mm -hmm. and, and about the work that I was doing. Um, I didn't want to feel like I was, you know, I really had a hard time acknowledging that, that something wasn't right, even though there was this little voice in the back telling me that, you know, something's not quite right. You don't feel yourself. Um, I felt, you know, really a lot of symptoms, um, for a long period of time. And since I was in, um, you know, I was in a medical setting and I would be giving people these forms called the PHQ-9, which are essentially symptoms of depression, um, and like screens, assessments for depression. And I thought to myself one day, well, I should, I'm just going to take it myself hmm. and try and be as honest with myself as possible. And, um, I had the symptoms of depression. <laughs> it was just plain as day right there on the paper, you know? Yeah. 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 And I knew it, but seeing it sort of outside of myself made it more real. And frankly, I had been given one of those um, same forms earlier on after birth. Um, And I, since I knew this form very well, I purposefully didn't answer correctly because I didn't want to acknowledge that I was having a hard time. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, you know, I'm like, 
I'm, you know, I'm a professional here. I work in the same facility. All of these other layers kept adding in to why I couldn't or didn't want to acknowledge it. But mm-hmm. it got to a point where I couldn't not. And um, yeah, and eventually, I mean, you know, I had gone to, I was going to therapy too. And I remember uh, my therapist uh, uh, at this point, I know, didn't have training in perinatal uh, mental health. I told her, I think I'm depressed. And she said, I don't think you're depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, that was all I needed to like, not to keep, keep not addressing it. Yeah. To dismiss yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, but there, there were a lot of other things. I was very anxious. I was having intrusive thoughts, um, OCD type behaviors and all of that. I know now I can look back and kind of self-diagnose and whatnot and look back mm-hmm. on it. But you know, in the fog of it, it, with all those additional contextual factors, mm-hmm. the things that, you know, really, I didn't want to acknowledge it. I, I didn't want to feel ashamed about it. I wanted to feel like I had it all under control. I'm this professional and so on and so forth. Um, yeah. So that all added to why it took so long. I think mm-hmm. I, you know, I've been thinking more and more as we kind of talk with women and also just as you kind of just meet more people who share this story is that I feel like it gets lost in the experience of the transition mm-hmm. to motherhood. So yeah, everyone talks with you and preps you and engages you on this is going to be really difficult and you're not, mm-hmm. you're going to be sleep deprived and, but also it's really great. And, you know, they kind of prep you for this being a really difficult experience, almost like you're jumping off a cliff into a really, really deep lake. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it doesn't matter if, even if you can see to the top or you have, you know that you can swim. If you mm-hmm. don't start swimming, you're still at the bottom of the lake. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like for, it's really, really interesting and hard to differentiate basically between the difficulty of the experience and what is actually going on in your mental mm-hmm. health as a new mom. Mm. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so all these other factors like sleep deprivation that make everything feel just, you know, bonkers. I just, you can't, you know, you have this foggy head, you think to yourself, well, if I just get some sleep or if I just do this or that, then everything will be okay. And, um, there's a lot of kind of that holding on, uh, that I, a lot of people describe, um, and experience. And, you know, sometimes it's just you've held on long enough and then it's clear that something needs to shift that you need to get um, help. Right. Yeah. Um, we talk so much about you also get that initial admission ticket to the guilt and shame that come with mm-hmm. having feelings that are not pleasant. Oh, so yeah. If you are having a hard time with, you know, all of the factors you just talked about or are experiencing symptoms of depression, you have this, it, you know, this unlimited amount of justification with, well, I have a baby and this is what it's like mm-hmm. and other people have had it harder and mm-hmm. I shouldn't feel this way. Right. And I'm looking at this yeah. thing. I'm, you know, and we've talked about this with guests and something that I'm coming up with and um, specifically studying birth trauma is that actually being at home with your baby is exposing yourself to a stress, like the person who's making, who's kind of feeding the trauma. You, you, right. you have to work really hard to understand the difference between your association of the baby with the trauma of birth and giving birth mm-hmm. to that baby. And similarly, if you are dealing with anxiety and depression and mm-hmm. you, you can, you can, if you maybe like you're saying, have these honest conversations with yourself, you can look at your baby and say like, you kind of are the source of this. However, mm-hmm. I also, you know, I can also love you mm-hmm. <laughs> while I'm having that same conversation and, and be glad to be your mom. But now I'm carrying my, 
by heavy backpack of guilt and shame of having any of those feelings towards you. Right. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes it's all mixed up and jumbled up and it's really hard to differentiate all of those feelings. Um, <clears throat> part of me lived like the, with my daughter, I didn't have a traumatic birth, but, um, like I know the anxiety started day one. Um, she had, um, you know, um, aspirated a little, tiny, tiny bit of meconium. Um, and that was really all that it took for me to, to, to like flip on the switch for hypervigilance and this really, you know, way where I couldn't stop, um, watching her. I, I like, I had to be up and, and I wouldn't call it traumatizing. Um, but there is some way in which it sort of like primes you to worry about things that are traumatizing. Um, so the constant hypervigilance and, and whatnot, um, the first day in, in the after birth is when the anxiety was looking back on it now is noticeable. And now like in terms of birth trauma, there's quite a range of like things that can feel traumatizing to people. Uh, mm -hmm. or affect their ability on some level to, I don't know, cope. Um, to cope, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's the perfect word. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it just, it compounds, you know, it has such a compounding effect. And I think that's such a a great observation, Laura, about just how we associate the experiences with, you know, with this human <laughs> that we now have to deal with, you know, around the clock. And it's hard not to do that when on, you know, on, on sort of like a practical or tangible level, like they, they are the being that, you know, created and is, is now perpetrating this, you know, this place that we're in or perpetuating is the word I'm looking for. Um, and I think that, you know, when I, I think you and I talked about this, Dr. Kat, when, when we chatted on your podcast, but, you know, when I went back when I was pregnant recently with Etni to, um, a therapist to kind of go back and do some more work around what I assumed would be, you know, my loss of Rowan and what that birth experience was, what came up was that all of my unresolved trauma was around my birth and postpartum period with my first son, Aiden. And it's just like, you know, it, it's so compounding. You just have, you have this, this experience that feels very overwhelming, very beyond your control. And I think that that's where the anxiety and the OCD comes in. And of course you, you're the, you know, you're the expert on, on how that all works, but you know, my experience of postpartum anxiety was really this, this loss of control and grasping at anything I possibly could control to sort of regain this equilibrium that was obviously unachievable. Um, but you fight so hard to get that because it's what, it's what you feel is missing. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot of work too. I mean, that is exhausting. It's, mm -hmm. I, I don't think there's any way to measure the amount of emotional labor, a mental work, a uh, physical work that it all takes to maintain kind of a homeostasis to keep things okay. Uh, mm -hmm. It's an incredible amount of work when, when everything's in transition uh, and everything is new. Um, and you know, we, we end up exhausted and frankly, it makes it harder to think rationally as you just, there's so much going on that it's very, very hard to differentiate again between kind of what would be a kind of a rational next step versus, oh my gosh, I have to do X, Y, or Z. Hmm. It's very, very difficult. Yeah. 
So for you, recognizing and becoming aware of what was going on around a year postpartum, what were like what was the light at the end of the tunnel? How did what steps did you take at that point to to reach homeostasis or or you know move towards that? Yeah, I I tried a lot of different things. Um, uh, for one, I I had to leave my job. Um, that was part of it. Part of my self care was to realize that I couldn't function there anymore. Um, so that relieved quite a bit of stress, but it added another stress because I needed to start up a private practice. Um, but at that point I had already, uh, by the time I, I quit my job, I had decided to specialize in, in perinatal mental health. So if I take a couple of steps back, um, I just, I started researching, kind of reading internet, uh, looking, looking around, um, finding books, uh, talking to colleagues. Um, and like I said, I had gone to therapy, so I was already in therapy. And at that time I didn't really realize I needed a specialized therapy, but it was, it was helpful enough because I was working on managing other kinds of stress. So that was a part of it. Um, at that point I had this really, for me, um, looking back on it now and, and since then, actually, um, the birth of my daughter and my son in separate ways sort of opened this, and this is going to sound a little woo-woo, um, but it sort of opened up this portal in me like that I had almost reconnected to my soul on some level and my mm-hmm. like my bigger purpose. And it's it was so profound that I felt like I couldn't, for me personally, I had been in kind of standard therapy for a while. I was a therapist. I know how like the nuts and bolts work. So I needed something that was different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went to an energy healer and somebody who did, say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and somebody who did craniosacral work. And, um, because I felt, I felt such, um, I don't know how to describe it, but it was a whole body experience that I needed healing with and healing through. Um, and so it helped. It really did. I, I went pretty often. Um, and I, I can't can even you describe a little bit. Yeah. Can you describe a little bit more about that process and, and what you worked on and what it was like for you? Um, well, so there was a couple of, of things that led me to this. I had, um, I had started to get triggered by my clients in a new way um, and in a way that felt deeper because again, like, so this sort of, again, I'm going to use the kind of woo-woo language, this sort of soul portal had woken up, but uh, had opened up, but I also felt more vulnerable. So Mm. uh, just emotionally and more sensitive to the world and more sensitive to people around me. So I was experiencing my clients in a much deeper way. And I should also say I'm an empath. I like, I feel very, very deeply. So whatever this thing opened up after my daughter, I just felt like waves of people, other people's energy were coming at me all the time. It was really Mm. hard to manage. Um, this is kind of in, in therapy, therapy settings, um, for the most part where I experienced it. So I had been kind of triggered by, um, someone's trauma and, uh, in a way that I didn't expect because it's, you know, stuff I had heard before, but for some reason it was different now. So when I went to the energy healing, I really felt like I needed to figure out my, um, um, how to not hold on to other people's stuff. In, yeah. in the same way. And, um, so a lot of what she did, and again, I can't really describe the mechanism that how it helped or what exactly she did. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it was like a very deep meditation. Um, and it helped me to kind of access feelings that, um, I, I couldn't access, um, and parts of myself that I had a hard time accessing because I tend to get really cerebral. I think a lot, you know, I think through things and I can talk myself through stuff, but I think at that point in my life, talking had only gotten me so far. I needed to feel some things in a different Mm. way. And so that kind of, that kind of what a therapy, I guess, worked for me at that time. Um, again, I, you know, I think if, if I had never been to therapy before, I would need to really wrap my head around my mind. Um, but I needed like a whole package sort of a deal. (laughs) Um, and that's, that's what helped. And with other stuff too. I mean, I went to a naturopathic doctor. I, I, got, I, I had acupuncture. I was doing a lot of whole body based, um, stuff and all of that really helped. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's so easy to overlook how, how much like the postpartum journey and the, and the birth, you know, the whole thing, but, but really the postpartum journey, how it really is happening on all of these levels. It's not just our physical recovery or, you know, our, our emotional state, but, you know, really how all of these things work together. And there's so many, so many different factors. I think it's funny you use the word portal. You know, that's the word that I use when I talk about birth with women. And in my course that I do for women who've experienced loss, I, I, I use that exact that exact phrase, you know, birth Mm -hmm. is, it's a portal. It's this opening. It's this thing that happens on every level. It's not just a physical opening. It's also a spiritual opening an emotional opening, uh, you know, a a mental opening on, on all of these different levels. And the more synchronized those are, you know, the more, the more transformative it is. And, Mm -hmm. and so I think, you know, when we think about supporting women in postpartum recovery and, you know, women who are struggling with, you know, with mood disorders in their postpartum period, it can be really easy to, you know, just think about like, oh, you need to, you need to see a therapist or, you know, or, or, oh, you need to, you know, have community. And obviously every single, those are great suggestions, but there's just so many different factors. And I think we have to think about the big picture. We have to think about the emotional needs, the physical needs, like what, what nutritional needs does this, does this mother have that, that can help support this journey, you know, there, and, and no one thing is going to be like the answer, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I fully yeah. believe that too. That's, that's really accurate. I mean, there, there are a lot of different healing modalities. Um, and sometimes one or two of them are enough. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's not, sometimes it's yeah. absolutely, a, you know, a combination of multiple things or thinking outside of the box, um, a little bit, you know? Yeah. 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 So as you kind of reach this point, and and this is this is kind of spanning the time period where your son was born. How how far apart are your kids? Uh, they're three years apart. Okay. So by the time I kind of figured out what was going on, I realized I needed to to be in a different work in a different way. Um, and so I did that. Um, I started specializing. I took um, you know this um, perinatal mood and anxiety disorders course and read books and all of that, um, which helped a lot. And I, I fully, even though I was sort of recovered uh, and I felt okay, I was functioning fine. Still along the way, I would find these little bits of information that gave me so much relief. 
uh, mm-hmm. that it was kind of like healing little parts of it um, still that I didn't expect. Um, so that was nice. And and I think that's true for everybody. You, you, you find healing in unexpected ways um, sometimes or in mm-hmm. unexpected times. Um, so throughout that, I guess, I don't know, a couple of years until he was born, um, I um, had really spiritual experiences during his pregnancy too. I'm, I'm not religious, but I did there, there are these really spiritual, I don't know how else to describe them, things that happened during this energy work specifically related to him, which actually helped my connection and bonding with him and helped me feel very um, safe and secure in my pregnancy, which was nice. Um, and um, by the time he came around, I was, I felt good. I felt really good. Um, and what I had prepared myself, I knew that I was going to have to ask for help in a different way, that I was going to need to plan for sleep in a different way, uh, that I was going to have to reduce my load, my just kind of what I'm doing at any given time load, um, on myself in order to go through it more smoothly. And it really helped a lot to plan ahead and to have that and to have other people on board, that, you know, to talk to, to mm-hmm. my husband, like, this is what I need to do to prevent this from happening again. I'm going to be asking for things in a different way. Um, having that conversation, um, trying to get as much sleep support as possible. Um, and that all really helped. Um, and I was, I would say I was doing okay. And then we had kind of like a family emergency and we decided to move. Um, and of course, any major transition when you have a baby is going to increase your stress level. So that part of the kind of that transition and then, um, some sleep deprivation in and around those changes made the symptoms resurface, but at least that time I, I could label it. I could say, okay, I know what this is. I know that when I go two days with this, this amount of sleep reduction, then my intrusive thoughts start coming. And I know that when I have Mm -hmm. a stressful thing to deal with, then it makes me feel these ways. And so I could label it for what it was rather than blame myself. And I think that's half the battle right there, um, is to, to just not sort of take it personally, that it's not about who you are. It's about what you're going through. And I, I feel like I had a much easier time because I could differentiate the two. I love all those tools. I feel like that's such an empowering language around identifying past stressors and current stressors and inviting people into it. I think that that is so important. And um, I I wanted to ask you just because you did specifically say, like, how did you go to your partner and kind of talk about the basically potential stressors? So you're pregnant, you know what's coming in that early postpartum period. How did you ask for support from either your partner or your community? Um, yeah, I just, uh, for myself, I had kind of sat down and thought about what was difficult last time, um, what made things more difficult. Um, and for sure, sleep makes like lack of sleep makes everything more difficult. Um, but I also realized that at the first time through, I didn't ask for help when I actually needed it. Um, I, you know, had that, well, I can do it or that sort of mentality, Um, Mm -hmm. and I kind of explained, I just sat down with myself and figured out that that's what had happened. And I explained to him that that's what I did last time. And that's what made me feel worse. Um, so that I literally was going to be trying to ask for help in a different way or more often, 
Um, and you know, on some level then also that was an easy way to say, and let me just preface this by saying he's a very supportive partner. Um, so that wasn't necessarily the issue. It was that I was just taking on too much. He would help if I asked, but I didn't ask. Mm -hmm. Um, and he, he was doing things without me having to ask, but I also needed more than I was allowing myself to get. Um, so it was kind of explaining, like, I feel better when these sets of things happen. And also it's better for us when we, when I feel better. Um, like there's less stress in our relationship when I'm coping better. And these are the ways that it helps me to cope better. And I, I know that like, you can't do this every single time, but it makes me feel better to have the discussion with you so that at least I know that when, and if something feels bad, that we have this to reference back to. Mm-hmm. And that, that's kind of more or less. No, I think that's incredible. And I think a lot of women listening need, need to hear these words and need, and would mm-hmm. really, really identify with it. I loved when you said, I needed more than I was allowing myself to ask for. Yeah. Um, I think that that is a very, very common um, struggle for women, especially, you know, I feel like we hear this a lot more, obviously, with the first time. Um, the first transition to motherhood, but a lot of times, you know, no one is to blame. Like, I, I, I appreciate what you said. It's, it's not that you have this partner who only does things when you elicit support. However, you do have to, you know, no one lives inside of your head. Right. No one is experiencing your life with your vantage point. Yeah. So you do have to invite people in and it can be difficult because sometimes it's identifying them. It's like, it's not that you can't read my mind to do everything I want. It's that I actually don't let you. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a hundred percent. Like, you know, if you don't, if you don't let people know what you need, they can't, they can't give it to you. You know, I was, I was in a coaching call with a client this week and, you know, she basically was sharing that post post loss that she, you know, what she really wanted from her partner was that he would be more sensitive and, 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 you know, felt like that's, that's all I need. You know, I just need him to be more sensitive and, you know, really the conversation then turned to, okay, but that like, if, if someone told you that they wanted you to be more sensitive, you would be like, I thought I was being sensitive or like, how exactly do you, like, what do you mean by sensitive? I mean, it's just, we have to be so, so, so detailed and so specific in what we need from the people, especially the people close to us who, you know, really have a vested shared interest in, you know, our children and our, in our lives together. And I think that that is, is really, really important to, to be able to, you know, to accomplish that. How do you, in working with women now, how do you kind of, you know, coach them as they're facing, you know, whether they're in a postpartum transition or preparing for one, whether it's their first one or, you know, preparing for the next one, knowing what the last one was like, what are some of the ways that you really help people kind of not just think on a, in a more meta sense about how to, you know, have a, have a positive experience, but really to actualize it? Yeah. I, I mean, it does take both perspectives um, and then a couple of perspectives in between the, both the meta and the detailed. Um, it, it Again, you know, a, l- a little bit depends on context. Certainly if there's like a, a trauma before, then, then that's a specific kind of, kind of trying to, again, 
I'm using this word a lot, but it's a useful one uh, to differentiate between what happened then and what, what's happening now. Um, I use a lot of context for that, that kind of trying to re help people remember, well, these were the factors that were happening at that point, And those are the things that are not happening now. Or you have this other mm -hmm. set of factors and a different context and um, in your life now. And that, that helps to kind of separate the two a bit. Um, yeah. And in, in terms of, uh, again, it's kind of preparing somebody who's been through postpartum depression and anxiety before. Um, sometimes the, the fear of it happening again um, uh, sort of makes people lose the context that they have a different set of skills now um, and mm. really reminding them and empowering them that they have a whole set of skills, especially if we've been working together, they have a whole set of skills, um, reminding them of their trajectory, that how their healing happened and what happened, that these new set of skills will help them not only now, but in those periods of time too. And you can call on them at any moment. Um, and also, you know, there are whatever other supports we need to set in place. Sometimes I'm helping them reach out to a doula or getting lactation support on board before the baby comes, getting them comfortable with the providers they think they might need before the baby comes. Um, and having some detailed conversation about what, what would you like to have, um, different this time? What kind of experience would you mm -hmm. like to have? Um, and then sort of getting into the weeds about what does that look like day to day? Does that mean your mom comes over every other day? Does that mean, and you know, your husband comes home earlier or brings food home when, you know, when he's coming home, um, and to operationalize it so they can think about, oh yeah, that would be relieving. That would feel good. And, and then yeah. write it down. Right. And it doesn't mean that you can't change your mind. It doesn't mean, you know, I feel like that's the other thing too. People are afraid to say too much. They're afraid to say like what they think they'll need when, you know, who knows how they might actually feel once the baby's here. And I think that we just have to recognize that the more robust of a support system you set up in advance, the better. And you can always like back out, you know, you oh, can yeah. always delete some things. You can always say like, no, I actually you know, right now I only want people to drop food off on the porch. I don't want to come in, mm -hmm. them to come in and visit, you know, or whatever, you know, you can, you can always modify. And, and if you need, you know, if you need to use your partner or your doula or whoever to help you communicate those things, then do that, mm -hmm. you know, just, just rely on your sports system for that too, for, for communicating what it is you need. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, yeah, I appreciate you bringing that in. It is really, all of this is changeable as needed. Um, but I find that specifically with people who have a lot of anxiety and anticipation about things going poorly or having a bad experience, having problem solving is really helpful and, and helping them answer their what ifs with a, well, then, um, a plan on what to do with the things that they're concerned about, but also empowering them to answer their own what ifs when they're not in the, the room with me. Because sometimes the what if questions are just anxiety based, but sometimes there's a problem solving aspect to them that you can uh, you can manage this, the feelings of anxiety that you have by planning a little bit, or at least having a loose plan. Um, we all know in this field that things don't always go as planned, but, but mm -hmm. having a loose structure or a loose idea of how you want things to go or the general flow, it can really relieve a lot of that anxiety. Yeah, definitely. I think it's, you know, I think the theme, whenever we talk to people around, you know, postpartum 
support and postpartum transitions, the theme is, is planning, you know, the theme is really thinking ahead. And I think people tend to think about the bigger things that they have no choice, but to think about like maternity leave or, you know, like mom coming to visit for the first week or, you know, whatever that looks like, because those are the things that we, you know, logistically have to work out, Mm -hmm. but we neglect all of the other stuff. And we definitely neglect the stuff that's beyond that really initial transition. I think people think like, yeah, I'm going to need support in the first few weeks Mm -hmm. and don't acknowledge that they may need as much and sometimes more depending on what's going on support at four months or six months or nine months or Mm -hmm. 18 months, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, and it's, it's not, you know, we, those are things that we can't necessarily know in advance. So we can't plan for every little thing, like you said, but just really, really allowing that need to surface and allowing our needs to be valid and then, and then reaching out when we need to, I think, you know, it's, it's very hard for people to, to admit sometimes that like, Hey, I have a nine month old and I'm still, whether it's depression or anxiety or just like being overwhelmed and feeling like I don't, you know, I don't know what I'm doing or I'm, you know, right now we're, we're going through a sleep regression and I'm freaking out, you know, it's, it's really, people don't want to, <laughs> to admit that, you know, they feel like they should have it figured out by now. Well, yeah, I, I think that's very difficult. And, and a lot of, I don't know, my, my perspective is kind of, okay, you have, um, this mom at home and, and parent at home, a partner at home. It's not, not just the birth people who deal with this. Um, but you, let's say you have somebody at home who's, um, suffering on some level internally, their process is generally like, uh, kind of a, what's wrong with me? Why can't I do this? I'm bad at this, um, self judgment. Um, and they're oftentimes kind of in their, either in their heads about it or oftentimes just in their homes and not leaving feeling really isolated. Um, sometimes even with support, all that feeling. But every time I start to think about that mom or that person who's home with a baby and feeling all of these feelings, I think, gosh, how did it come to this? How is this one person taking on all of this? And then I start to Mm -hmm. back up a little bit and I take a a bit of a larger view and I take a look at our like social constructs about motherhood, our societal pressures about what we're supposed to be doing during this time, Um, the systems we have in place that either do or don't support this transition into parenthood. And I think what a shame that there are so many systems that do not support women and families the way they need to be supported. And, uh, you know, I'm not necessarily going to point blame, like it's all their fault. But what happens is all of that gets distilled down into the mom and she's home holding the weight of all of this, thinking it's just her. Mm -hmm. When really they're like, we're not set up well to help moms and families um, through this transition. I think, you know, the conversation that we are having and that you guys have on your podcast, that this, this is where we change the culture that, you know, you know what, mm-hmm. you don't have to do everything. You don't have to know everything. You're not going to get this, um, you know, automatic download of information when your baby shows up. Um, you know, uh, uh, the conversations that, that we're having are what's cha- going to change the culture and is changing the culture. Um, I just mm-hmm. get so sad when I think of moms and, and dads and partners at home feeling that it's all because of them, that they're feeling right. this way. Like, right. I want to go on strike about it. <laughs> yeah. I hear you. I think it's, it's part, part, 
you know, that's partly why I struggle with, for example, you know, on our Instagram feed, you know, we share a lot of amazing and inspiring images of, you know, all the different variations and, and representations of motherhood. And, you know, one of the, one of those variations is definitely, you know, the working mother, the career mom that, you know, the, the entrepreneur mom. And, and I, we, you know, we really, we have a lot of conversations around that on the show. We really, you know, think it's so important to, to support, you know, the whole woman and to, to really um, continue the important conversation in what it looks like for, you know, for women to be, to be fully invested in, in their motherhood journeys, as well as their, um, you know, the, the careers and the things they're passionate about. But I always struggle when we're, for example, you know, there's this amazing image of a woman who is breastfeeding her newborn baby in like the boardroom and, and it's, and we're supposed to be celebrating that. It's kind of like, okay, what, but really what we're saying then is that like, you have to do it all and you have to like Mm -hmm. get to that place where you can do it all and you have to do it quickly. Right. Yes. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it must must be uninterrupted or something, you know, like, yeah, like interrupted either experience. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I struggle with that because I, I, I know, I know what, the underlying value there that is there and, and some of it's good. And some of it is, is I think part of, part of the problem. And I, I just see so many women who, who are struggling, who basically have to put on a brave face as though they're not struggling. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that there's a lot of systemic reasons that we struggle. Mm -hmm. And like you said, you know, our social structures are a huge, huge, huge part of that. Um, so yeah, it's it's a complicated yeah, I, I mean, I'm world just sort of, of journey. I'm just sort of hoping that, you know, on some level by these conversations that the mom who is home, uh, you know, alone or the dad who is home, whoever is feeling this can can get some just like a, a, a moment of perspective that um, yeah. that it's not. Well, and the thing we, we all say about postpartum depression, that it's not you. It's not who you are. It's not. Um, there's nothing wrong with you as a person. It's what you're going through, just like any other medical condition or however you want to state it. It's not a personal default. There's all these other contextual factors that go into someone's experience. And I just, I really want to relieve the weight of it being all a a personal issue. I want to relieve that Mm. off of people. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So Dr. Kat, you have your own podcast as well, where you talk about maternal mental health and sort of the, the relationship between the motherhood journey and our, our mental health journey. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about that as well as the work that you do and how women can find you? Sure. Absolutely. Um, so the podcast is called mom and mind And we do cover everything perinatal mental health related. So that can be anywhere from a diagnosis like depression, OCD, psychosis, um, anxiety, those kinds of diagnostic-based things to different types of healing and support and therapies um, to some other um, other things like social justice issues or how um, culture might play into what's happening with a mom um, and taking into considering culture, cultural aspects of motherhood. Um, and we do cover, not as much so, but we do cover some father um, and partner stuff. Um, certainly 
fathers are also prone and partners are also prone to develop uh, perinatal mood changes. Um, Mm -hmm. So uh, really the goal is to cover everything and that's going to take a minute. So um, we've been going for about two years and um, and there's no shortage of, of stuff to cover. Some of it is interviews with moms and family members who have lived experience and they're talking about their story and other interviews are with experts or advocates, uh, who are, who are talking about specific types of treatments or modalities. And then sometimes I just go off and have a soapbox episode and talk about the things that, <laughs> that make me mad, um, about, about how perfect. mothers are doing that too. Ah, perfect. Yeah. That's great. Um, So those are weekly episodes and available at any time. Um, And the work that I do is now is sort of um, several, several aspects of what I do. So I have a private practice. I'm helping moms and families in my office. Um, And in my area, I'm the coordinator for Postpartum Support International in San Bernardino County, where I live. Um, And what I do there is basically if somebody in my county is having a hard time, they find the PSI website and they want resources like a therapist or um, are needing support and they're having a hard time, then I get them resources. And we are a constellation of people all over the U.S. and worldwide who do that kind of thing is anybody really who is having a hard time. They reach out to PSI and we find a a trained therapist in their area. Um, Mm. And uh, so I also do training here in my county for the local um, mental health and health professionals to get the fundamentals of what happens, what are the diagnoses, what does it look like, how to get help to moms and families. Uh, so that's like a yearly, yearly thing and um, that I do. And um, also with um, PSI, Postpartum Support International, um, I'm doing some training for them with them, um, some of their two-day trainings. And very, very recently, my newest role is to be on the board uh, of PSI, which I'm very excited about. Um, so I, that's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. I, so you're, so you have a lot of free time. <laughs> oh yeah. Tons. <laughs> and I have two kids. And, no, I don't have a lot of free time, but my absolute passion is this work. Yeah. I, I yeah. happily swim in this world most days, mm-hmm. um, except for the, the weekends when I'm with my family. So, um, yeah. yeah. So in, in the work that I do, anyone who's looking to be in touch with me or learn more about the podcast, you can go to momandmind.com and um, find links to any number of, um, of places or connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Okay, great. Well, we'll share links to all of that good stuff in the show notes on our website. So anybody listening to this episode can just head over to the show notes to check that stuff out. And thank you so much, Dr. Kat, for sharing your wisdom with us today. It's, I think that the work that you do is such a great marriage of this lifelong passion you've had for supporting, you know, mental health and, and those journeys, and then your own lived experience of, you know, the challenges of transitioning to motherhood and how, you know, it's so easy for, for women to just be in survival mode. So I think it's, it's so apparent that you love what you do and that it's, um, it's, it comes from such a deep place inside of you. So thank you for sharing so vulnerably too, uh, just about your own journey. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you, Dr. Kat. And as Lisa mentioned earlier in the show, if you're not following us on Instagram, you're missing out. You're missing out on our community. You're missing out on some really awesome birth photos. So if it's not for you, maybe yeah. that would be your place. <laughs> but uh, head over to motherbirth.co on Instagram and join us as we kind of connect with other moms all over the world and share their personal stories. All right. Thanks, everyone. 
Thanks for listening to Mother Birth. And a special thanks to our editors, sponsors, and guests for this week's show. As always, this show is created by Laura and Melissa and is intended as general information that does not constitute or substitute medical advice of any kind. You should always consult with your primary care provider with respect to your medical care if you are pregnant, planning on becoming pregnant, or in the postpartum period. In this episode, we may use affiliate links to products and services that we know and trust. These are products we have personal experience with and believe that they will benefit our community. When you use these links, Mother Birth receives a small commission. What you pay for the product or service doesn't change at all. It's the same price. If we share something that includes a discount code, we may still receive an affiliate commission without affecting the discount offered to you. Thank you for supporting our show.